0: Myth or legend, we're searching for the truth. This is the Bigfoot King of the Forest Podcast. Welcome to Bigfoot, King of the Forest podcast, episode number 10. 10? We are a decade old.
1: <laughs> that That's crazy. It's not. Opening your Catahoula beer?
0: That's right. I am uh, drinking a Catahoula Calman from Gnarly Barley. Oh. They're a uh, pretty great regional brewery down here in Louisiana. Um, they're been over in Hammond. This is uh, probably one of my... One of the nicer beers from, from the area.
1: It is. I like the can. The can's yeah. pretty cool.
0: And it's our dog. So. It is.
1: It really is. If you make it black and white, it really does look like Bowie. Yeah, it
0: looks like Bowie. Our dog Bowie is a Catahoula, which is the official Louisiana dog. Louisiana dog. or something like that. It's a it's a cur dog, it's what they call it. But, um, yeah, so, hey, we had a good night tonight. So, Saturday night, it's about 10.15 our time. Not your time. This will be... <laughs> Later on next week, but um, you probably hear Shadow Dog mm-hmm. trouncing around the background and he's uh, playing
1: with a toy. Yeah,
0: I noticed that there's a bunch of um, animal innards stuffed animal innards over there. Yeah, a bunch of so, stuffing
1: all over the floor.
0: I don't know about any of you out there, but our dogs tend to just destroy any stuffed animal we get them, mm-hmm. even when we get, we get the stuff from Bark Box. And they're supposed to be the indestructible toys. Those toys are not indestructible.
1: I think they're less destructible than... I think they just got us the tougher toys, not completely yeah. indestructible.
0: I don't want to say anything bad about BarkBox. I love those they're guys. They're awesome. And uh, we've got some really cool stuff in there. we got our Yeti toy, um, a bunch of that kind of stuff. And the Drunk, Trump toy <laughs> yeah. that the dogs destroyed, <laughs> which I felt pretty good about. But, yeah, so... Went to see Little Shop of Horrors tonight at the yes. Theater Baton Rouge. They used to be called the Baton Rouge Little Theater, yeah, mm-hmm. but apparently they grew up. In <laughs> another, yeah,
1: they're not such a little theater. Theater Baton
0: Rouge. Our uh, good friend Allie works there, and uh, we got to see her daughter. She played
1: Baby Audrey. Baby
0: Audrey, too, in in the play, and it was pretty cool. But man, I thought they did a really good job.
1: Mm-hmm. It was, was fun.
0: I was concerned, not not concerned at the the skill level. Of, of the actors. The and actors cuz they always do a really good job. But it's such a great musical. And it's one of the few musicals I actually like. Mm-hmm. There's like that and The Music Man and that. <laughs> and man, they, they did a really good job, I well, thought.
1: It's been forever since I've seen Little Shop, so I went into it with really no expectations because it's been so long since I've seen it. But I know that's Madeline's favorite musical so she watches it all the time so I think she was scared too you know hopefully which I think she was happy with it but
0: overall if anybody from and I really doubt anybody from Batner's Little Theater is listening to this um y'all did a really good job it was it was excellent so we've got a couple things here I'm starting to get to the news but I realize that I actually don't put this news live till tomorrow morning so I have to get in the back end of our website
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, because you put them live on Sundays. Yep. Yes, and we are recording on Saturday this week. We have been recording on Sundays.
0: Yeah, but I kind of had to beg Sarah to do this on Saturday night. I know it's late on a Saturday for us. Well, and then
1: we also have plans for tomorrow. Tomorrow's Roller Derby Sunday night.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be be filming Roller Derby, which is the first time... um, been talking to volunteering. Um, not well, that it's you a said
1: thing. you wanted to start not it's volunteering. A bad thing. It's,
0: I just, I, I have, I do a lot. I know, and like, I, I want to help. I enjoy roller derby. Um, of course, I do. I post it every time on there on my Snapchat. Uh, not Snapchat. Fucking Instagram. And I've had a, I've had a couple, what they called the kiss me tooies <laughs> and now I'm drinking beer and I'm kind of feeling a little bit. Um, but they, was good. Oh, that drink was. Good
1: that good drink that's a this probably isn't just a Batner's theater thing but they always depending on the play they always create the drink of the show and it was a kiss me too and it was what vanilla vodka amaretto amaretto
0: sprite it, oh, was, it was good it was really good um and it didn't taste alcoholic which no not at all is always a problem mm-hmm. um so we got a couple reviews yeah, we did. We got a couple reviews. I'm Actually, this is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. The first one is from BT4UTC. I don't know who that is.
1: A, it's sometimes you're just like their acronym. You're like, what does that yeah, mean? Sure
0: BT4UTC. <laughs> BT4UTC, if you're out there, I would love to know what that means. I, if, maybe it's just the one they throw at you. Um, you all probably heard a beep. Somebody Sounds like somebody commented on something on... Facebook? Yeah. Oh, well. No. It sounded
1: like a Facebook chime.
0: It did. It did. So, BT4UTC wrote, Good and entertaining, five stars. This show shines the light on a culture and cult following I knew nothing about in a funny yet informative way.
1: I'm curious, like, that they know nothing about. How did they find us to start with? I'm Gonna. curious to know. Okay, keep going. They said,
0: Thanks. THX, exclamation point, great, with an eight, job guys, the okay symbol.
1: The hand symbol.
0: Yeah, little the little...
1: Emoji for okay. Whatever
0: that that is, that okay emoji. I'm pretty sure that's not white power. I'm pretty sure, because that's all bullshit anyway. We all know that. Oh, yeah, that's Um,
1: all over lately.
0: Oh, my God. So, the... I'm not going to name names, but there was a... an incident where somebody freaked out because they saw somebody post a picture with that in it. And I know for a fact, this person is not that way. Um, and so we jokingly asked, um, and yeah, um, they, they took it pretty hard because most people don't even know this. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be basically on social media and be friends with a lot of like, I guess more left-wing liberal people, which we are. We, yeah. to, we we lean that way. So, But sometimes this shit gets out of hand and crazy. Um, thank you, BT4, UTC, UT, U2C. <laughs> um, we appreciate that a lot. And the next one is from Mothman46. Mothman. Also five stars. I love this podcast, and you will too. <laughs> Not 100% sure where I heard the shout-out to check out this show but I'm glad I did. These two tell great stories and crack you up while doing it. We try. (laughs) I binge-listened while at work and actually listened to some of the shows again. Jeff and Sarah, I love your show, and I'm looking forward to many more stories in the future. P.S. I listened to lots of podcasts and don't remember ever hearing about the Bigfoot War of 1855. Glad we could help with that, Mothman46. We appreciate you listening. Also, emoji... Exclamation point sign Needs to be said Emoji exclamation point sign They cover a lot more than Bigfoot Yeah we do We do I'm Bigfoot King of the Forest Man You know what You know how this came about So
1: It happened at work
0: right It happened at work yeah So y'all have met Andrea On the show um, Andrea and Jeremy I work with those guys And I was walking through one day And Andrea Is in the next room over And she's laughing And she's like, man, I always know when you're coming over here, because your damn feet shuffle.
1: I've told you that before, because I used to work with them all, too, and I used to always know when Jeff was coming, because I knew his walk.
0: Everybody knows my walk. It's not so much of a shuffle as it is just, I don't know. I I never paid attention before, but I forget how we got from that point to something about Bigfoot. And I made the joke about the cowardly Lion, basically, of, I were king of the forest. And she laughed and said, man, Bigfoot king of the forest, that's what you would be. And I was Mm -hmm. like, holy shit. And I said, right that moment, I said, I'm buying that website tonight. (laughs) And I bought it. And it it took us a while. It sat for for quite a while. I I was like, what am I going to do with this website? I don't know. And then I was like, you know what? Let's just build a podcast and talk about Bigfoot.
1: It took me a really long time. I kept wanting to say Bigfoot, king of the jungle. Like, it took me a long time to... Because you're just used to Tarzan, king yep. of the jungle. Shadow, stop. So,
0: it is the most wonderful time of the year. It is Halloween month. <laughs> Sarah and I love Halloween. We don't... We tend to... Things come in the, get in the way a lot, and we tend to not do a lot on Halloween. Yeah. Um but we do love the holiday.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We've been watching all those movies. But, yeah, I watch basically a horror movie every single night. I, I watch horror movies all the time, but I make a special... Um, special thing to... to Effort, I guess, to <laughs> go out and watch them every single night. But we also got caught up in the... We watched American Horror Story. The new season's fantastic.
1: Well, we introduced Madeline to American Horror Story, so we started from... Season 1, episode 1, and she's been watching along with us.
0: Yeah, and we wanted to watch Murder House again because there's a lot of references in the new season. And so we we binge-watched that over the last couple days. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, um, watched Halloween, watched Bad Ben, and I'm going to keep that up. After this podcast tonight, I'm not even tired. I might even watch something else tonight. But... Man, Halloween is fantastic, and so for the Weekly Strange for the next month, I'm going to focus more on the paranormal than the cryptid side of things. Okay. And so this week on... Some more ghosts. This week on your Weekly Weird, you're going to find quite a few things. So apparently some people in Thailand are painting their nails red to avoid a ghost attack.
1: Red nails avoid? Red nails. Okay.
0: Well, it said men. I crossed out men and said people. People. Because one thing I realized in this uh, article said there's an apparent Widow ghost on the prowl for young men In rural Thai village That has residents terrified enough to make A major fashion statement <laughs> Residents of Puhong village Have seemingly been under attack By what many are saying is the ghost of a widow And also a pop ghost Two different ghosts A pop ghost for in Thailand is a ghost that possesses people And uh, causes them to eat All kinds of filthy things in their home this is news to me. I'm actually gonna do I'm going to do a little bit of research on this because I find it interesting. So it's
1: a ghost that possesses you and makes you eat?
0: Right. And between those two ghosts, they have killed at least five people the past week, including two men and three women.
1: Stop. Like for a second, I started so a ghost possesses you and forces you to eat. So
0: how and by filthy do they mean like you're around the house like eating like dirt? Or is it like eating junk food? Junk food. So how? Yeah, I'm, I'm possessed by a fucking. That's ghost. what I mean. How many people can just go
1: around and this becomes their new scapegoat? I am like over five
0: ding dongs
1: today. I'm overweight because a ghost has possessed my body.
0: <laughs> not ding dongs, cupcakes. I did. I ate five cupcakes today because
1: you were bored. I was
0: bored. You're a boredom eater. I, bored, I eat, and I ate five cupcakes, and I'm not even ashamed. I was possessed by a pop ghost.
1: Okay, I want. Okay, this. I've never heard. Of, like, this is like. <laughs> really?
0: Pop ghost. Okay, a pop ghost. And I'm gonna be possessed tomorrow and eat some more cupcakes.
1: No, I'm gonna hide the cupcakes.
0: Um. Anyway, but. So it's apparently, though, two men, three women. Kind of sad that this whole article and everything I'm finding is kind of more concerned about the men. Three women died, but they're really concerned about the men for some reason. Not gonna say anything in our societies is you know misogynistic, but a little strange that this only mentioned the men. Um, I actually had to dig to find the women stuff. But in response to the widow ghost, people have begun to hung hang signs out their houses, declaring that no men live in the home. And some of the young men have been painting their nails red,
1: so they think to disguise
0: themselves as women. Smart, smart sure so that ghost can't figure that out.
1: Because red nail polishes. It's nothing about pheromones or, you know.
0: So on, on the blog also, let me go to this week, there's a video. Um, there's another drunken ghost. Shadow. Apparently a haunted bar in England. The Miner's Bar. The Miner's Arm, which is in the town of Alferton. A little video on the website. It's a video of a... Barstool at the Miner's Arm, which is a haunted pub in England in the town of Alfreton, is seen moving out with no human interaction. So the video comes, it started a motion-activated surveillance camera, and you can kind of see it, it moves the, slides over the barstool a few inches, kind of stops, and then it kind of slides back again. Um, Patrons of the bar are saying that it is the ex-landlady.
1: The landlady is haunting the bar.
0: Um, This may be my favorite. This may be my favorite one this week. A Louisiana man, of course, (laughs) has claimed that a ghost framed him in a drug bust.
1: Okay. So, this is another one people are going to use ghosts as their scapegoat. We call
0: home. There's some weird ass shit down here. Weird ass people. According to Coast to Coast AM, this is where I found this a man down here was involved in a drug bust, and he claims he was framed by a ghost. So. It was a bizarre incident which police officers witnessed him arguing with individuals that were not there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A Michael Attenbury um, became belligerent with the officers and when they questioned him. Because of course you do. And he was subdued. When the officers found meth on him Michael claimed that a ghost had planted drugs. <laughs> Apparently in another article I found later in the day the ghost also attacked him with an axe, he claims.
1: Okay. Did he so have any So everyone injuries? just be
0: careful out there because there is apparently a ghost is going to try to use a, try to use you as a, a drug mule. Um, that's their that's their new shtick. <laughs> Finally, okay. um, in the ghost related, ghosts can chat to us via smartphone app.
1: Ooh, okay, so...
0: I'm about to download... I'm going to download this app. So, you ever just want to speak to your great Aunt Enda? Ouija board just seems too difficult, too much work for your modern sensibilities? No. Um, there's an app for that. According to the Daily Star, a Kim Johnson from Alabama who is a ghost hunter claims that an app by a Swedish group... I love that I'm Swedish I'm, and they're Swedish and my peoples have invented a ghost app. <laughs> The 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 group is known as the Laxton Ghosts has created an app that has several tool tools, including an EMF reader. Miss Johnson, who describes herself as a pretty logical and skeptical because they always do <laughs> uh-huh. believes that there's something there's sometimes things that you can experience that you have no other explanation for. I will agree with that. She says the first thing you need to rule out is electromagnetic interference, which can mm-hmm. cause hallucinations. I also yes. agree with that. Mm-hmm. So, the app also contains a spirit box that plays white noise, and which ghosts can use for real-time communication. I'm, I'm going to download this app. I'm just letting you know.
1: I'm, I'm curious. I want to experiment with it. It might be, it might be 10 it.
0: bucks, but I'm paying it. I'm, I'm going to do this. I think it would be fun to I know people house. say you shouldn't ghost hunt your own house, but we've had some, we've had some weird stuff. We should post the video some, sometime. I'm going to post the video. You know what? When we do our... We'll talk about it. Ooh, I'm gonna hold you in oh, suspense, people.
1: I don't know that I still have them saved. Oh. we'll have I've, to see what I still I've, have saved. I've
0: posted them to Facebook and stuff.
1: Okay, we'll have to see what we still have saved. Yeah,
0: I'm. am going to. I'm going to not tell you. I'm going to not tell you. I'm going to make you all wait until we do our ghost episode, which will be released on mm. Halloween. We have some videos.
1: Madeline says that we have a ghost, and his name is Frederick.
0: What kind so, of name is Frederick Fargo?
1: But anything weird that happens around the house, she just yells out, Frederick So
0: I got a few things we'll talk about during that. I've got some interesting experiences throughout life mm-hmm. that I I don't know if I'm a ghost believer, but um I'm definitely had some weird things I don't, happen.
1: We've talked about this before, which we'll go into it more when we do the the Halloween episode, but I don't believe in mal- malevolent, mal- however, you <laughs> I don't ghosts. I don't believe that they're out to harm us yeah. or anything. But I do believe that there's the energy isn't able to dissipate, and so the ghosts that are here, because I how how can a ghost pick up a knife? How can a ghost hurt? Yeah. But yeah, we'll go into that more.
0: Um, people argue, but you know, this is going to be a few. Probably a couple episodes a month of some more paranormal type stuff. Yeah. Um, man, again, thanks for everybody for listening. You, I'm gonna put it out there. You can catch us on Podbean, iTunes. You can catch us on Podtail. <laughs> well,
1: well, Chance just Cast called Box. about 30 minutes ago. Did you know you can be on Spotify, dude? We're already on
0: Spotify. <laughs> yeah, he didn't know that though. He was super well, no, he he was like, so excited. He was so excited. He's so excited. He's a dad. He actually messaged me saying, said, hey, dad, can you talk right now? And I was like, yeah, man. Um, so he's like, did you know you can be on Spotify? I'm like, we are on Spotify.
1: <laughs>
0: and we actually get quite a few uh, listens on Spotify. In fact, this past week, since the two last Tuesday's episode, we have had... So in
1: like the last five days? Right.
0: We have had about 160 downloads in just these few days we are up to 886 I think we're going to be 900 here in the next day or so
1: that is crazy Um,
0: one of the things I think helped out though is our friends over at the Keep It Uh Weird podcast gave us a great mention Um, we really appreciate that ladies Um, I hope you all enjoy our podcast as well as much as we do yours Um, the I think that's it though Um, of course leave us reviews subscribe to us um, all that happy shit like we,
1: I know we we what we did the contest when we hit 500 likes. Or when I hit was that? it
0: was 500 downloads, 501 downloads. I
1: think since we're almost to a thousand, I think we need to run another contest that's like 1500. I think because the, the problem is is we hit the 500 before the episode yeah, even I th- aired. I think
0: that's gonna happen again. That's um, why I think if we um, make so if, it 1500. I think with the 1500, we are gonna do something a little, even maybe a little bigger than the last one. Um, last time we gave a free T-shirt away, which I'm pissed because we're still waiting for the damn. T-shirts from the printers. I'm yeah. not going to name names, but guess what? I'm not using you after this. I'm gonna I got a buddy, friend type guy, acquaintance, whatever. More than an acquaintance, that actually owns a print shop. We're going to use him. Um, I'm pretty perturbed because these people won the the T-shirt. Um, our friends over at Bigfoot and Bob, and. I'm really, really upset because it's been two weeks since they won. Maybe two and a half weeks. And I messaged them. I was like, guys, I really apologize for this. I was like... Girl. Yeah,
1: well, we chose this printer because back um, when I did embroidery and a set, you know, apparel as my job, this was my printer. And so they were really good and fast turnaround, everything. It must just be because it's not a huge order or anything like that, that it's just not high priority. And so it's like you come to find out, you know, just the, no. <laughs> he,
0: yeah. You think, you know, somebody, you think you got a yeah, name, but, you know. um, I understand we're not, but not, but over time, I'm hoping to sell a lot of t-shirts mm-hmm. and this guy lost our business. So, um, it sounds like they went to actual print a couple days ago, mm-hmm. but they never ca- called us. Um, as soon as we're done, we're going to get that, t- you know, a couple t shirts out for people that have been expecting them. I know we got a couple of people on Facebook that are like, man, I went and tried to special order a bigger size because they asked for a bigger size. Um, those will be out as soon as we can. And yeah, I, I, if y'all are upset because you haven't got it yet and you hear this, I'm as upset as you all are. And I do apologize for any kind of delay on this. It's our first time doing it. Um, we'll get a better process for sure. And that's the news and my rant. And everything else So, as always We have brought a couple topics That we're going to discuss And I'm going to let The beautiful Sarah go first
1: Okay, so I know earlier in the week I had asked you, hey, what do you think about Such and such topic And you were like, yeah, that sounds great And I cannot For the life of me remember what that topic was now So I think lesson learned I need to write these things down But then Because of what happened last week about us both coming with the Bigfoot-Indian War. (laughs) Then I told him, I was like, hey, what do you think about this topic for today? And I was like, crap, I can't do that because we like surprising each other. But, um, so I can't think of why I thought that this would make... Oh, I think it's because it was the carnivorous plants you guys were talking about. So it kind of made me think about this. And then it was another, um... Cabinet of Curiosities episode that um, Aaron Mankey did and so I was like okay this is what I'm going to do so you guys were talking about carnivorous plants so I started thinking about can organisms live without a brain so how you've got the carnivorous plants, they're plants they don't have brains so um I found three websites so I'm just um so the first one is <laughs> kidsdiscover.com you know we're going to go into kids' layman's terms talking about this. So neuroscience is a heady topic. So um, so talking about the brain, neurosar- neuroscience is a kind of a difficult subject for uh, people to get into. Mm-hmm. But some people, most people, have a pretty good picture of the vertebrae version of a brain. So what humans have and animals have. So it's an organ. It exerts centralized control over the rest of your body, including all your other organs. It generates patterns of muscle activity, and it collects and interprets sensory information. So the problem is, is you have vertebrae brains versus invertebrate brains. So when you jump into the world of invertebrates, invertebrates, the whole idea of the brain starts to get a little bit fuzzier. Um, so this, instead of having a brain, they end up having a concentration of nerve cells at one end of the nerve cord. And this is called a ganglion or ganglia, G-A-N-G-L-I-A. And it's not a it's not a centralized nervous system like vertebrate brains, but it's still what you would consider a brain in, like I said, layman's terms. So the problem is, is it considered a brain or is it not? So, a jellyfish doesn't possess a centralized nerve centre, instead they have interconnected nerve cells that form a ring around its mantle so when um so which we all know, which I guess you guys don't all know, but <laughs> our friends and family all know I am obsessed with jellyfish, so I have on my um on my left arm. I have um, three jellyfish tattoos, and people always ask me all the time, why are you obsessed with jellyfish? And it's more just because they are so beautiful. They just go with the flow, you know, just kind of the ebb and flow of the water, um, just the kind of no care in the world, but yet they are a bitch. They can kill you, but yet they're so beautiful and seem to be carefree and just going through everything. But jellyfish though we think of them as animals they don't have brains they just kind of it's the current of the water is how they get their food how they um go through the system um how they kind of go through this process and says mindlessly floating in the ocean waiting for food to swim their way so Researchers have learned that jellies are far more purposeful and sophisticated. Moon jellies avoid being swept out by an ongoing tide by diving to deeper waters. How, without knowing a brain, how do they know to do this? Right. How do they know to go to deeper water to avoid? And then if they bump into friendly jellies, a simple excuse me will do... But the same encounter with a predatory jelly will send them swimming to avoid being lunch. How? It's like, some box jellies have eyes, and two of those eyes can actually form images. So, two of their 24 eyes, they can see. But they don't have a centralized nervous system. So, how is the... How's
0: the... Yeah.
1: How is this being generated? So, it... It's just saying that there's a lot more to the jelly's mind than we thought. And scientists have even argued that jellies have brains and that they are capable of remembering past experiences. So they learn through repetition. They learn through experiences. And if we're looking for brainless act, brainless animals, we'll have to continue looking at them. So this article kind of goes into, um, different, um, organisms that don't have brains um but so going from the jellyfish so then i found another website and it's just 10 brainless animals you never knew about
0: okay
1: the problem is is that the brain as we think of it is an organ that serves as the center of our nervous system but the for the most part not all animals need to have a brain to survive and so this article, the ten brainless oh, it's like
0: humans that don't need a brain to survive.
1: I know, and I don't know if maybe it's because Halloween that I started thinking about zombies and that kind of thing. You know, the
0: <laughs> well. I was not thinking about zombies.
1: But <laughs> then it's American Horror Story, how we were watching it, and she's eating the brain and yep. all that kind of stuff, and it's just so I just thinking about brains and our brains are necessary and all that kind of stuff, but. Not all animals need their brain to survive. Some sea animals in particular have been known to be brainless. They have clusters and localized nerve systems called the ganglia. So, like I said, but I found this very odd that this article from Listabuzz... Never heard of Listabuzz, but it's 10 brainless animals. They're all water animals. And so the only thing that I can think of is maybe why people focus on water is because it's the water current is bringing the food to them and not having to be on land and waiting for something to go by or waiting for the chance encounter where there's constantly plankton and algae and everything in the water. Yeah, yeah. So number one is starfish.
0: Oh, that's right.
1: So... Um, starfish don't have brains. Um, they have neither a brain nor a ganglia. They, but they have a sense of touch, sight, and smell. And it says each of the sea stars arms are wired to high sensitivity. So it can sense immediate environment, their immediate environment and the world around it. When one of the arms detects food, it cuts off the power to the other arms and starts pulling its body towards the direction of the meal. So, which, that reminds me of flower, which will kind of, it kind of gets into an, well, one of the numbers is on this is anemones. So, Um, then you have the sea sponge. Sea sponges are so ugly. But sponges are multicellular animals of the phylum Porifera. Their body is full of pores and channels that allow the water to circulate through them. So they're picking up the plankton so they don't have brains, and they don't even have a digestive, nervous, or circulatory system. In place, they have a bunch of unassigned cells that go around the body, turning it into whatever kind of cell is needed at that time. Huh. So it's able to regenerate and do what it needs whatever to do. it needs. Mm-hmm. So this brainless animal can sneeze, and its sneeze will last up to 60 minutes. Can you just imagine, like, I guess it's the how sometimes you hear about people who can orgasm for hours. So, is it like the same concept? Just your
0: exhausting. (laughs) I would love to sneeze without my brain hurting. Oh,
1: God. Or like your eyes or your nose. Right. Like, oh. So, it can sneeze for up to 60 minutes. When the sponge is irritated, it inhales the water and then contracts its body and sneezes out the irritant. So, then the next one is the sea anemone, which I was saying is... Which we need to post a picture. Have you posted a picture of our fish tank?
0: I don't think I ever have one. Okay. No, at least not on the website okay. or...
1: I, we need to post a picture, like, maybe a video of flour. We have this anemone that is awesome. Like, we had never noticed it before, and Jeff wasn't here one time. And watching it eat is awesome.
0: I gave... When we had a... Uh, um... Gilly, God rest his soul. Yeah. Um, I threw a piece of shrimp in there for him, and And Flower Flower got a hold of it, and I've watched her grab it and, like, pull it in.
1: We'll have to post the video, or whatever, but Flower is just, she's got these almost, like, hair-like tentacles. Like, they are so thin, like, hair. And she'll catch a piece of the food, and she'll pull it into her. And it's just like, how? So you sit there, and then by the time the food in the tank, all of her hundred of hairs are all sucked inside of her. And she eats. And then, so you think, which we had never seen her eat before. So we thought that she had died. And then the next morning came out, and all of her hairs are back out again. (laughs) But, so, sea anemone are, um, they're predatory animals of the order Actinaria? They lack their central nervous system, and they have a neural net of sorts, which keeps it actively looking for food. The anemone nabs passerby with its venomous tentacles, paralyzes, and then consumes its prey. And we've thought before, um, we had a crab, or what was it? Yeah, it was
0: was an arrow crab. It was, almost
1: looked like a spider. It
0: was Pierre, the arrow crab.
1: And flower-wrapped her tentacles or whatever around his legs one time, and we were like, oh, no, this is not good. And he died, like, what, a day or so later. Yeah, because they have
0: little stingers on
1: them. Yeah, that's a, the but, venomous uh, tentacles.
0: The, uh, man, I don't want to get going on the fish tank because I just think about freaking How many? Hunt.
1: How many things are we have this clownfish that Chunt we talked
0: about? It, me and Maddie talked about it the last episode. Okay, yeah,
1: he kills everything we have. Like we can't get other fish because Chunt will kill them. Okay,
0: sounds fuck.
1: But so back to anemones. So after eating, anemones spew their waste back out through the same opening as the, its digestive chamber only has one door, functioning as both its mouth mouth and its anus. So in and out.
0: So it's a mouth and and an anus.
1: Yeah, so it eats and regurgitates. So it takes what it needs and then regurgitates. I've never seen flour regurgitate. That's icky. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's probably not the same. It's probably like you wouldn't even know.
1: Well, I guess because it's already been digested. So it's going to come out more as like cloudy water.
0: Yeah. I'm sure it's got diarrhea. (laughs) It's like just... (laughs) Water. Okay, so Just imagine that.
1: <laughs> so number four is the man of war. Yeah, yeah. So manifors are man of wars. Yes. Oh God, no. We're not going to talk about no, no. We're we're not getting into Trump or no. Sorry. So man wars are from the jellyfish family, and back when I was actually trying to choose a roller derby name. That, um, because I love jellyfish, Man of War was actually one of them that I had considered. But, but we were going to make it Woman of War, and That's then I was. Badass. But then I was just like, yeah, but I don't know. Which, which we've gone into this that I broke my ankle during um, our Fresh Meat Derby 101, so I was never actually able to join the team. So, I can't use an official Derby name until I f- hit one year of volunteering. Mm-hmm. So, um, I keep score and work the penalty box and that stuff for my our local roller derby team, so, in March, I will be able to officially use my name so um my head n s o so that's non skating official um I've already talked to her about my name so but it's not my name till March, so when we get to March, you guys will all know my name but okay, so man of war, which is <laughs> not my derby name. <laughs> So, um, it's a floating terror or blur bottle is what they call it. It's characterized by a translucent sac that floats on the surface and a colony of polyps that stick to, together to create the war. This creature is known for great survival instincts and its venomous tentacles can deliver a powerful sting. So, that one doesn't really talk about how. It just talks about it sucks. But so bad every time i think about polyps i think about human digestive systems and polyps yeah
0: i mean it's, that's kind that's of what the first thing i don't know just i mean people get hugs. okay
1: so then number five. Oh my oh. god i'm honey i'm gonna be talking forever because i'm only to number five that's cool okay so number five is the sea lily pretty like here look, yeah, they're gorgeous. Look really cool. okay them. okay it's Awesome, it's pretty. So, they look like underwater ferns, but they're actually animals, and they have no brains, of course. Because that's what we're talking about, right? Is no brains. Sea lilies are rooted to the ocean floor, and they gather their food through their feathery arms, which apparently require no thinking at all. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> they look delicate, but sea lilies are tough enough to endure the pressure of living up to 20,000 feet below the surface. Jesus. 20,000, that's all.
0: That's a lot. Is that... You cannot get to 20,000 feet.
1: Is that four miles underwater? Well,
0: let me look. You go ahead and keep talking. And well, is... Yeah, it's about four miles Four underwater.
1: miles underwater. That's crazy. Okay, number six is jellyfish. The most popular non-brain organism in the world.
0: So, to give you a reference, okay. the Titanic is 12,500 feet down. And we cannot get to it with human.
1: Right. We have to send down submarines. hmm so, jellyfish are the major non polyp form of individuals of the phylum Cinderia. They are free swimming marine animals consisting of gelatinous, umbrella shaped bell and trailing tentacles. Jellyfish don't have so much internal organs. Instead of a brain, it has a neural net, which is a system of nerve cells interwoven, interwoven all over the animal's body. Number seven, we used to have one of these a sea urchin.
0: I did. I love the sea urchin.
1: What was... Oh, his name of Spike. Spike. Yes, we had Spike, the sea urchin.
0: He lived for quite a while.
1: Spike was awesome. And, yeah. And then he would just leave his spines all over the place. I think my two and,
0: favorite things were Spike and Belmont.
1: <sighs> yes. Belmont. Okay. No, we don't have the video of Belmont anymore mm-hmm. either. Okay. So sea urchins are also called sea hedgehogs. They're small, spiny, globular animals that make up the class Enec- Echinidae.
0: Of the. I'm not even
1: gonna try that. And Okay, we need some marine biologist on here to help us pronounce our... If you are a
0: marine biologist and you're listening to the podcast, please correct us anytime you would like.
1: (laughs) There's no planning ahead for the creature lacking in brains like urchins. They creep around the ocean floor looking for food, but have to make up for the lack of brain using their sense organs. They do not need to worry about self-defense either, thanks to the sharp spines covering their bodies, which give them ultimate protection from predators. They basically look like a porcupine, but they're in a ball. Yeah. The sea cucumber, which I always think looks like a penis. What? Sea cucumbers.
0: What? Just the sea cucumbers. They don't have pray.
1: They don't have brains, but they have ingenious defense mechanisms. When under attack, sea cucumbers can can startle their attacker by suddenly. It does dis- look like a penis. Okay, so they startle their attacker by suddenly disgorging their guts and their internal organs. So they just... So
0: kind of like a penis.
1: Yes, they just...
0: (laughs) Big purple penis.
1: (laughs) Or they can opt to eject long, sticky tubes from their anus to ensnare and possibly disable the predator permanently.
0: Not exactly like a penis,
1: (laughs) though. So then Coral... Coral is known for creating multicolored and textured reefs as each tiny individual coral dies and leaves its colorful shell behind attached to its neighbor. But corals are actually fierce little warriors. When a predator looms or when two beds of coral grow into one another's territory, the little polyps send out their tentacles to poison and sting the interlopers into submission. Huh. So I didn't real. I guess I always just thought of coral as being flowers... Or, I never thought um, that I they, thought had... they were
0: like bits and pieces. I didn't know they were, I mean, I knew they were living, but I thought they were like bits and pieces, like a bunch of animals, like plankton. And yeah. like, I always thought it was like a bunch of stuff. I'm completely off base.
1: Mm-hmm. So, then number 10 is sea squirts. They
0: also, what the KC cucumber does.
1: Okay, so Google sea squirts really quick. All right. They are actually kind of cute. <laughs> These marine tunicates. Which they have a bag like body with orifices through which water huh. flows in and out of a central pharynx. Pharynx or um so throat. Sea squirts are filter feeders that look like inflatable straws and skeleton skulls. That's exactly what they look like as little skulls. Yeah. A newborn sea squirt gets to have a brain, but loses its intellect when it grows up. So they're born with brains, but they lose them. A baby squirt looks like a tadpole and has a teeny brain and one eye, but no way to eat. It swims to the ocean floor where it attaches itself and then grows into an adult, absorbing its now useless eye, tail, and brain in the process. So sea squirts do have brains as newborns, but the brains turns out to be useless when they become adults. So so what I've been talking about right now is animals that just don't have brains. But what's what happens when an animal that has a brain loses its brain? So this is what I was telling you about earlier is this is from the BBC it and joins it's a fraternity. What? What'd you say?
0: So that it joins a fraternity. <laughs>
1: really <laughs> okay so i found this is on the cabinet of curiosities um so aaron Mankey was talking about um mike the headless chicken so
0: see i thought you switched topics on me
1: no i'm talking about no brains
0: i get that You thought I was only
1: bringing Mike the Headless Chicken. I thought we
0: were just going to talk about Mike the Headless Chicken. No. So, I thought you'd switch topics. I was like, oh, you saucy little mince. Oh, no, no, no. no. Okay.
1: So, I found this... So, Aaron Menke talks about Mike the Headless Chicken. And so, I was like, okay, this is awesome. And so, that's what... This article is from the BBC. And... It's actually very well written and everything. So I'm like, me summarizing it or whatever. So I'm just going to read the article.
0: And we'll post the article when we put the podcast yeah. up.
1: With the, but I'm like, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Um, so 70 years ago, a farmer beheaded a chicken in Colorado and it refused to die. Mike, as the bird became known, survived for 18 months. 18 months with no brain. And became famous. But how did he live without a head for so long? Asks. Chris Stokel Walker on, on September 10th, 1945, Lloyd Olson and his wife, Clara were killing chickens on their farm in fruta, Colorado. Olson would decapitate the birds. His wife would clean them up. But one of the 40 or 50 animals that went under Olson's hatchet that day didn't behave like the rest. They got down to the end and had one who was still alive up and walking around, says the couple's great grandson, Troy. Himself a farmer in Fruita, the chicken kicked and ran and didn't stop. It was placed in an old apple box on the farm's screened porch for the night. And when Lloyd Olson woke the following morning, he stepped outside to see what had happened. The damned thing was still alive. It's part of our weird family history," said Krista, his wife. Waters heard the story as a boy when his bedridden great-grandfather came to live in his parents' house. The two had um, adjacent bedrooms, and the old man, often sleepless, would talk for hours. He took the chicken carcasses to town to sell them at the meat market. He He took this rooster with him, and back then he was still using the horse and wagon quite a bit. He threw it in the wagon, took the chicken in with him, and started betting people beer or something that he had a live headless chicken. Words spread around Fruta around the miraculous headless bird. The local paper dispatched a reporter to interview Olson, and two weeks later, a sideshow promoter, promoter called Hope Wade traveled nearly 300 miles from Salt Lake City, Utah. He had a simple proposition take the chicken on the sideshow circuit, they could make some money. Back in the 1940s, they had a small farm and they were struggling. Lloyd said, "What the hell? He might. We might as well." First, they visited Salt Lake City and the University of Utah, where the chicken was put through a battery of tests. Rumor has it that university scientists surgically removed the heads of other chickens to see whether they could get any to live. It was here that Life Magazine came to marvel over the story of miraculous <laughs> Miraculo, miracle Mike, the headless chicken, as he had been now branded by Hope Wade. Then Lloyd, Clara, and Mike set off on a tour of the U.S. They went to California and Arizona, and Hope Wade took Mike on a tour of the southeastern United States when the Olsons had to return to their farm to collect the harvest. The birds' travels were carefully documented by Clara in a scrapbook that is preserved in the water's gun safe. People around the country wrote letters, 40 or 50 in all, and not all positive. One compared the Olsons to Nazis, (laughs) Like Nazis. Another from Alaska asked them to swap Mike's drumstick in exchange for a wooden leg. They're going to make him a peg leg pirate. Some were addressed only to the owners of the headless chicken in Colorado, and it still found its way to the family farm. After the initial tour, the Olsons took Mike the headless chicken to Phoenix, Arizona, where disaster struck in the spring of 1947. That's where it died, in Phoenix.
0: It's hot as hell in Phoenix.
1: (laughs) So what happens when a chicken's head is chopped off? Beheading disconnects the brain from the rest of the body, but for a short period, the spinal cord circuits still have residual oxygen. Without input from the brain, these circuits start spontaneously. The neurons become active, the legs start moving. Usually the chicken is lying down when this happens but in rare cases neurons will fire a motor program of running. The chicken will indeed run for a little while but not for 18 months more like 15 minutes or so. So you hear about this every once in a while. I've Have, seen it happen. Yeah. So the chickens just because the neurons start firing and yeah. they'll... so Mike was fed with liquid food and water that the Olsons dropped directly into his esophagus. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> they fed him through the <laughs> hole in his neck.
0: <laughs> like, just imagine them like mopping a freaking funnel.
1: That's so. Um, the story that on Cabinet of Curiosities, what he actually said is they had a little funnel that they would put into the hole and they would Amazing. funnel. Amazing. Yeah.
0: Which funnel stuff into me?
1: Kind of. Remo- what's foie gras? Or... Fagua, yeah. Fagua. Like, how they force the food... But another they vital... Actually
0: don't really do that anymore.
1: Well, I know, but it just kind of reminds me of the same thing. Another vital bodily function they helped with was cleaning mucus from his throat. They fed him with a dropper and cleared his throat with a syringe. The night Mike died, they were woken in their motel room from the sound of the bird choking. When they looked for the s- syringe, they realized they had left it at the sideshow, and before they could find an alternative, Mike suffocated. For years... Um, the owner would claim that he sold the chicken to a guy in the sideshow circuit it wasn't until well a few years before he died that he finally admitted that one that it died I think he didn't ever want to admit he screwed up and let the proverbial goose that lays golden eggs die on him Olsen would never tell what he did with the dead bird. I'm willing to bet he got flipped out in the desert somewhere between here and Phoenix on the side of the road, probably eaten by coy- coyotes, the grandson said. But by any measure, Mike, bred as a fryer chicken, had good innings. How had he been able to survive for so long? The thing that surprises Dr. Tom Smolders, a chicken expert, at the Center for Behavior and Evolution chicken at Newcastle University, is that he did not bleed to death? Okay, I was thinking the same I mean thing. I eat a
0: lot of fried chicken. I could probably be a chicken expert.
1: Which I guess, if you think about um, anatomy and so zoo- zoologic, you know, yeah, zoologist or whatever, you have your emphasis. Like you're a shark, right? Or...
0: Well, yeah, you're you're in you're 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 an expert in my. Mountain gorillas. Right. Or you're an expert in, like, like cougars. What or is the
1: shark expert... specialist called?
0: Well, there's ichthyologists. That's, that's
1: what I mean. Oh, but that's fish. That's, that's marine sea life, biologists. right? Yeah.
0: yeah. There are experts in sharks, but it's the same thing. You have experts in, like, tons of things. At what point...
1: I want to be an expert are you in chickens. Like
0: chickens. <laughs> we just don't know enough about the noble chicken. <laughs>
1: So, the fact that he was able to continue functioning without a head, they find it easier to explain. For a human to lose his or her head would involve an almost total loss of the brain. For a chicken, it's rather different. You'd be amazed how little brain there is in the front of the head of a chicken. It is mostly concentrated at the back of the skull behind the eyes, he explains. Reports indicate that Mike's beak, face, eyes, and ear were removed. With the hatchet blow, but Smulders estimates that up to eighty percent of his brain by mass, and almost everything that controls so it the wasn't
0: ship. his whole head,
1: right? And so, but if you look at the picture, like it's pretty much I'm
0: coming around at this picture. See, huh?
1: So it's a huge chunk, but. Um, His beak, face, eyes, and ear were removed with the hatchet blow. But they estimate that 80% of his brain by mass and almost everything that controls the chicken's body, including his heart rate, breathing, hunger, and digestion, remained untouched. So it's suggested at the time that Mike survived the blow because part of all the brainstem remained attached to his body. Since then, science has evolved and what... Was then called the brainstem has been found to be part of a chicken's brain proper, so while so while our brainstem controls, he sighed. Um, our brainstem does all of our muscle, you know, like our nervous system is all our brainstem. Mm-hmm. But they're saying that in chickens, their brainstem is actually part of their brain. Their brain.
0: So that's probably why that...
1: Mm -hmm. Most of the bird brain as we know it would actually be considered the brain stem back then. The names that have been given to parts of the bird brain bird brain, in the late 1800s were (laughs) were all indicating equivalencies with the mammalian brain that were in fact wrong. Why those who tried to create Mike of their own did not succeed is hard to explain. It seems the cut, in Mike's case, came in just the right place and a timely blood clot luckily prevented him from bleeding to death. Troy Waters suspects that his great-grandfather tried to replicate the success with the hatchet a few times. Certainly others did. A neighbor who lived up the road would buy up any chickens for sale at an auction in nearby Grand Junction, Colorado, and stop by the family farm with a six-pack of beer for Olson to persuade him to explain exactly how he did it so he could replicate it. I remember him telling me laughing that he got free beer every other weekend because the neighbor was sure he got filthy rich off this chicken. Filthy Rich was an opinion many held in Fruta of the Olsa, Olsa, Olson family. But according to Waters, that was an exaggeration. He did make a little money off of it. He bought a hay baler and two tractors, replacing his horse and mule, and also a bit of luxury, a 1946 Chevy pickup truck. Good for him. Waters once asked Lloyd Olson if he had fun. He said, oh yeah, I had a chance to travel around and see parts of the country I probably otherwise wouldn't have seen. I was able to modernize and have farm equipment, but it was something he put in his past. He still farmed the rest of his life and scratched a living out of the dirt. So, so that's the story from the BBC. But on here, they also they have a poem. <coughs> so... I will end my story with the poem, Miracle Mike, the Headless Chicken.
0: <laughs> I love that there's a poem. What? I love that poem.
1: <laughs> I listened and heard the farmer say, we'll have this fowl for lunch today. Thought I, there won't be nothing doin'. I just can't see myself a stewin'. But he took the axe and chopped off my head, then threw me down and left me for dead. There on the ground for a moment I lay... Then I arose and walked away. Said Farmer Lloyd to his kindly wife, that's the strangest thing I've seen in my life. Said the kindly wife to her farmer man, I can't put him I can't put him in the frying pan. A fowl that hates so much to die, there must be some good reason why. And since he wants to so much to live, every living chance to him will give. Through my esophagus they feed me corn, they give me drink and keep me warm. I'm well and happy as can be. I stand around for folks to see. Although I haven't got ahead, I'm better off than I'm dead. And so it's written by, it looks like Arba Glean. Wait, it wasn't <laughs>
0: written by the chicken?
1: No. <laughs> really. So it was written in 1945 by Arba Glean, it looks like. So that is the story of Mike the chicken and brainless organisms.
0: Man. That was more intense than I thought it was going to be. You're welcome. All right, you want to take a little break? We are 57 minutes in.
1: You're- the world's kind of blurry, but so am I. I live in the forest. Oh, my, oh, my. Because I got big feet
0: and even bigger meat. If you come too close... I'm gonna get you, and I'm gonna love you, cause you're a wiggle man. You're gonna be a congressman. Gonna get that cock burn. Woo-hoo, cause you yeah. ain't used Lou. <laughs> you can find us on that porn, too. Yeah. All right. So yeah, the uh, Mike the Headless Chicken. That was, <laughs> You're uh, welcome. That was good. That was good. I'm going to go ahead and talk about something that bothers me a bit.
1: Bothers you? Not much bothers you.
0: It bothers me well, in the in the whole realm of the whole idea of Bigfoot. I've, I have talked a lot about Bigfoot the last couple of weeks, but um, I want to say it bothered me more before until I researched it. If that makes sense. Okay. Talk am talking about
1: Ghostfoot. Ghostfoot. Oh, you were talking about this earlier in the week. The okay.
0: Curious Argument. I, I've entitled this
1: yeah.
0: Ghostfoot. The Curious Argument for Interdimensional Bigfoot Ghosts. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: So there's no secret. I'm a fan of Bigfoot. Um, even at work, people pretty much know that I'm a Bigfoot guy.
1: It's gotten to the point where people just come up to you and say, hey, Bigfoot.
0: Yeah, man. Um, not even upset. Even like the COO of our company um, sends me stuff about yeah, Our hairy stuff. haunted friend. Yeah. Um, in fact, at one point, I had given... We do a newsletter, and I would put in there that if anybody wanted to come up and say to me, Bigfoot is an interdimensional ghost, that I would give them a dollar. And the $5 went very quickly. <laughs> um, so, I'm of the skeptic variety of Bigfoot in general, but if I could have one to be flesh and bones, it would be Sasquatch. Mm -hmm. Flesh and bones, really. (laughs) So, for almost half a century, Bigfoot has captured our fancy. Um, Since the Patterson-Gimlin film in 1967, that's 40, 51 years. Mm -hmm. That's kind of of considered the very beginning of the modern Bigfoot culture. Um, But people always kind of, the consensus has always kind of been like, he's a Undiscovered bipedal hairy ape. That's what he is. There's a movement, however, I guess what I call it a movement, that as of late has perpetu- perpetuated the idea that Bigfoot may be something else entirely. Bigfoot may be a ghost. Or he may be an interdimensional being, or, or a combination of the two. Yeah. So this first crossed my path in 2016. Um, December 8th, Greg Newkirk over the Week in Weird. He also has the, him and Dana Newkirk have the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal. There were art, he wrote an article entitled, Bigfoot as a Ghost, Internet, Interdimensional Sasquatch, The Green Flash, and Why We Never Find a Body.
1: The Green Flash?
0: Yeah. I'm going to post a link to the article. Um, everybody can read it. I'm going to get, I'm going to, you know, pull a little bit out of it I didn't really get into the Big Green Flash, but I did want to talk about the, the other parts. So he writes, for researchers defending the existence of Bigfoot, a huge creature that's hiding right in our own backyards, the lack of hard evidence is a big problem. Sure, we've got plenty of plaster casts, too many blurry photos, too many shaky videos to count, and we've even got loads of frightening audio recordings. But despite these and hundreds, if not thousands, it's thousands, of reported Sasquatch sightings each and every year, we still can't find a body. Mm -hmm. Well, there is an answer to the biggest problem, Bigfoot, and it's one that's troubling for the Sasquatch believers believers who consist mainly of rugged outdoorsmen and analytical scientists. Bigfoot is a ghost. While many in the mainstream Bigfoot community consider these words heresy, Mm -hmm. there is an element to Bigfoot sightings, in fact several elements, that could easily lead someone to wonder about paranormal possibilities. Think about that for a minute. there's something that is considered a mainstream <laughs> bigfoot community.
1: Yeah, that's. Mm-mm.
0: So, kind of like subgenre of the subgenre. Yeah.
1: There mm-hmm.
0: are people within the Sasquatch community that are like, "You guys are too out there for me." That's too far gone.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you guys are a little too little too out there for me.
0: So first of all, where's the body? This could easily be tossed to the side if you believe there is no Bigfoot There'd be nobody.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Done and done. However, there have been thousands of sightings and encounters stretching back hundreds of years before white people invaded what we call America now. And it seems like people are seeing something. Yeah. But according to the article, again back in Week in Weird, the Bigfoot ghost connection might seem like an offhand joke or a great weekly world news headline. But to those of us who research both, both phenomena, the connection is obvious. Long swaths of Bigfoot tracks often stop in the middle of nowhere, almost as if the creature leaving them simply disappeared. Strange electronic malfunctions plague researchers during critical moments. Mysterious lights accompany Bigfoot sightings, but are omitted from official reports. Photos of the creature are nearly always blurry. Witnesses report temporary mental aberrations during encounters, and not a single fur, scat, or flesh sample has returned from the lab without pointing towards a mundane animal. Put Put simply... We're looking at the Sasquatch phenomena in the wrong way. Hmm. So that is actually one thing that a lot of people don't re- that don't don't read up on big a lot of Bigfoot and stuff like that don't realize. Um, there is a lot of like weird lights yeah. that are always said mm-hmm. to be seen. Even UFO encounters are often there's like usually a, a big uptick at UFO encounters uh-huh. about yeah. the same time. Things like that. So it's all true as far as what people report, anyway. And there does seem to be some extra strangeness to almost every Bigfoot encounter. Dude's not wrong. Bigfoot is also thought to be to be able to communicate telepathically. <laughs> Any idea that dates back to, and this is an idea that it dates back to indigenous tribes. And so often it use, goes.
1: Okay. It goes back to the Native Americans and stuff that he was telepathic.
0: Yeah, like he would be able to speak to you without, like, and it, people say it all the time, like. There's actually, like, in that book I read, um, American Monsters, it also seemed to be a case of, like, dogmen, things like that. Like, people always say, like, they see this creature,
1: uh-huh.
0: and they can feel, basically, without them oh, talking. Oh, feel,
1: like, his emotions. Well, not like... his
0: emotions, but, like, it's telling them something.
1: Okay. Um, Come to me.
0: <laughs> Bigfoot is also thought to be able to... Okay. And often uses his ability to let people know they mean no harm, or to confuse them and cause disorientation. Hmm. So, some people actually believe that Bigfoot exists between worlds, the interdimensional standpoint.
1: Um, I, uh, so, part of me is like, "Hmm." So, the Mandela effect.
0: So, so yeah. a sort, yeah, a sort of interdimensional. You know, you're not gonna like that. I'm trying it
1: to see. No, I do not like that. I had to take it. Drink of the Catahoula stuff
0: and... Ooh, no, mm-mm,
1: not Sarah. What's this, Fruity?
0: Yeah, it is Fruity. Not fr- Not your Fruity, though.
1: Yeah.
0: So, a sort of interdimensional portal hopper, if you will. Okay. That Bigfoot exists between worlds, which allows them to sneak in and out of reality and add to the confusion of their existence. As crazy as this sounds, it also lends credence to why Bigfoot tracks often start and stop at odd places. Oh. And why many people claim that the creatures seem to simply vanish or even pop up as if from nowhere.
1: Wow. Okay, so it's like it, it's finding a portal.
0: So, as always, went back and kind of actually pulled a lot of this from the Sasquatch Legend Meets Science book by Jeff Meldrum. Um, there is this is, the
1: one you're currently that's reading? That's the one
0: I'm currently reading. Okay,
1: so they'll and have a review kind of, of that one I so. was
0: actually going to talk about something else today, which I'll talk about either next episode or something like that. Um, but... This one, I was, I, it was actually the last chapter I read in here, so all this seems crazy to me at first, but then I began re- begin reading this book, Sasquatch Legend Meets Science, Chapter 3 specifically. I actually just finished this chapter. Um, it speaks to Native American traditional knowledge of Sasquatch. So there's a great line, a couple of great lines early in the chapter they asked an elderly Hoopa man Hoopa. his reaction to a question regarding the tribe's awareness of Bigfoot. And dude says, good lord, have the white men finally gotten around to that? <laughs> so most Northwestern tribes consider Bigfoot to be nothing more than a physical being. We're talking uh-huh. about like up in Washington State, Oregon, stuff like that, Alaska. Um, but tribes throughout North America, outside of the Northwest, Including the Hopi, Sioux, Iroquois, Sasquatch are seen more as supernatural or a spirit being. Mm-hmm. According to Ray Owen of the Dakota tribe and the son of a Dakota spiritual leader, they exist in another dimension from us, but can appear in this dimension whenever they have a reason to. <laughs> and for many Native American tribes, people Bigfoot is considered a sort of messenger, and that he makes appearances during troubled times. According to Ray Greywolf, he's of the Athapaskan tribe out of Alaska. Bigfoot brings signs or messages that there is a need to change a need to cleanse so many Native Americans kind of believe that like when you see a Bigfoot you need to really kind of rethink things
1: it's a sign yeah
0: I love that, that I, I've i known this name before um the Turtle Mountain Ojibwe tribe
1: never heard I of it I
0: love that name um they also believe that Bigfoot is a harbinger of trouble times ...that appears in symptoms of danger or psychic disruption to the community. Interestingly, the Turtle Mountain Top tribe, Ojibwe tribe, also referred to the Bigfoot-like creature as a Rougarou. <laughs> okay. Um, this seemed to derive from their French influence, as many of the tribes' people had extensive contact with French Canadian trappers and missionaries. Um, the Iroquois also regard Bigfoot and the little people as spiritual or interdimensional beings that can leave our physical dimension as they please, and also choose the person or the people they present themselves to, and they believe there is always a reason. So, the earliest known contemporary recognition of this knowledge, by white society at least, dates back to 1840, In a letter to his wife, Mary, a Reverend Elkanah Walker wrote, I suppose you will beat me if I trouble you with a little of their the Spokane Indians, Superstition, which has recently come to my knowledge. They believe in the existence of a race of giants which inhabit a certain mountain off the west of us. The mountain is covered with perpetual snow. They inhabit its top. Many people believe this might be the uh, Mount Rainier.
1: In Washington.
0: Yeah. They may be classed with Goldsmith's Nocturnal Class as they cannot see in the daytime. They hunt and do all their work at night. They are men-stealers. They come to the people's lodges in the night when the people are asleep, and put them under their skins and take them to their place of abode without their even waking. When they wake in the morning, they are wholly lost, not knowing in what direction their home is. The account of the Indians gives us these giants will in some measure correspond with the Bible account of such a race of beings. They say their track is about a foot and a half long. They will carry two or three beams upon their back at once. They frequently come in the night, steal their salmon from the nets, and eat them raw. If the people are away, they always know when they are coming very near by their strong smell, which is most intolerable. It is not uncommon for them to come in the night and give three whistles. Then the stones will begin to hit the houses. The people are troubled with the nocturnal visits. So, things I find very interesting about this... Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Is this is not... um, That was written in 1840. And it talks about a lot of things like the smells. Yeah. The large footprints. Like, I really doubt people in... 1967. Like, it's very, very possible that, like, the guys from, like... Finding Bigfoot have read that and they're like, oh, yeah, tree knocks and rocks and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But in 1967, a lot of people and some of them are like construction workers and stuff like that probably didn't really know about all that stuff mm-hmm. from an well, 1840 newspaper. Knowledge so like wasn't internet.
1: as accessible back then either. Right. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying
0: anything against their 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 intellect.
1: No, no, I'm, I'm just like just to get a copy to of this letter.
0: This letter, like, so. It's interesting that in 1840, so much of what is now common knowledge of Bigfoot and Sasquatch is right here. And these go back. Like, these are Native American people that are telling these things. So, they saw something. Mm -hmm. You know, what it is, I don't know. All I know is if Sasquatch exists, there is much we don't know. To be honest, if these were nothing more than the thoughts of modern researchers, they would seem more crazy to me. And they did. But seeing that these ideas are of an interdimensional and ghost Bigfoot date far back into the history of this land and the people that have lived here for, and have lived here for centuries, it's something worth considering at least. Mm-hmm. And then maybe and the next time you're out squatching,
1: <laughs> it squatching. may be a good
0: idea to bring yourself an EMF detector and maybe some extra batteries. Just sign. Get
1: the EMF detector downloaded off iTunes.
0: Yeah. So that's my story. Probably a little shorter than yours. Um, you
1: I went to town you Sorry. went in to
0: town this week that's cool um I'm trying to think but yeah man Sasquatch is a ghost maybe but I thought you know <coughs> like around Halloween and stuff like that just at least give it some thought and like I said as I read more as I was reading this chapter that it came to me and I was like wow there might be more to this ghost thing mm-hmm. as far like if Sasquatch exists is it interdimensional? And I've been thinking a lot about the interdimensional stuff since we, before we did the Mandela episode, but, like, the idea of two dimensions kind of coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, and is there multiple planes of existence? Is there...
1: Well, what was it, like, it was over a year ago because it showed up in the memories on Facebook, were you, and... Keegan had talked about the inter- the band name of yeah. interdimensional no, go Sasquatch. Yeah, Where, that was because that just showed up. So that was like,
0: yeah, we it was it was uh, a 2016 because Keegan had shared it back to me again, and, and he was like, it said, Man, "Hey,
1: remember this?" Or no, we- he was like, "Who would have thought back then that
0: this was going to become this big thing?" Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, that's all I got about that. I'm trying to think of anything, any housekeeping stuff before we kind of wrap up today.
1: I don't think so.
0: All right. Then uh, we're going to go ahead and do the, uh, from our home offices mm-hmm. in Indianola, Iowa. Damn it. I said I was going to get a clapper. It's this week's top ten list. Yay. Top ten inter, inter- god damn it. Top ten interdimensional Bigfoot problems. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Number 10. Billy made the interdimensional portal too small again.
1: So he can't get back.
0: Number 9. Getting lost in the ether is a huge pain. Yeah. (laughs) Number 8. Nobody, and I mean nobody, likes a pop in. Don't forward. come to my house and just try Unannounced. popping. It. it ain't happening.
1: Yeah, always call first.
0: <laughs> Number seven. Having to keep the portal open waiting for Mrs. Squatch.
1: <laughs> Don't close it without her.
0: Number six. Ever since you had the kids, the luggage is unbearable.
1: Oh, God, it is when you take kids on vacation. That's
0: right. Especially interdimensional vacations.
1: You have to pack so much more.
0: Number five. Customs in the human dimension is a bitch. Oh, God. Number four. You forgot your Sasquatch soap every single time. (laughs) Sasquatch soap is available at Bigfoot's (laughs) kingoftheforest.com.
1: $4.95. So, So I guess that's a... Yeah, Bigfoot can't just go to Walgreens and buy himself soap.
0: No, he has to go online. Mm-hmm. He buys the soap from us. I have Bigfoot's well, home address.
1: What scents are in the soap again? I forgot.
0: Um, it is pine,
1: fir, mm-hmm. cedar, That's and a, ginger. The cedar is what I can really smell, and I like it.
0: Yeah, it's good smelling stuff. Actually, I actually used the beard oil today. It's cool. Um, number three. You were trying to get to Washington State, but you end up in Bismarck, North Dakota. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the portals got mixed up
0: Yeah Number two Sorry ma'am I'm not sure how this portal opened up in your shower Again <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry Mrs. Robinson
0: And the number one reason I'm sorry And the number one top ten Interdimensional Bigfoot problem Getting your big damn feet caught in an interdimensional rift.
1: <laughs> oh god.
0: Oh man. Okay. It's Anyway, that's our show for this week. We're sitting at about it's gonna get cut down a bit, but I think we're sitting at about uh 117 that's hour and not seventeen hour bad. and seventeen minutes right now. Um it'll probably get cut down to about an hour and ten. So it's not as bad as I thought. I didn't really. I thought I was gonna have to rush. I didn't even have to rush that much. Um, Sarah just talked forever. No, it was a great topic though. I really enjoyed it. Mike, the headless chicken. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to cut a chicken's head off. And
1: you want to try it? I want to try that.
0: We wouldn't have to. I could cut a chicken's head off like that. No, I'm just being stupid. We do want chickens. I just want to be a hippie man.
1: <laughs> well, we've talked about getting chickens for eggs and stuff, but then I'm like, when they don't lay eggs anymore, then it just becomes a pet, because there's no way that I could kill or butcher our chicken who's been in our family and yeah. everything.
0: So, um, coming up next weekend, we're going to be recording, like I said, our Halloween episode. We're going to Full House again. Um, Andrea, Jeremy, Keegan should be here, and I even think Urker might be coming by. Urker. Yeah, Chris Walker, he's a friend of ours. Um, he's a super cool guy. Super so that'll
1: papers. go that'll go live on the 30th.
0: That will, and it will go live on the 30th. The Halloween. Tuesday before Halloween. Halloween eve. Mhm. Um and we're Well, no, be...
1: I guess it would actually go live on the 29th cuz everything goes live late Monday night.
0: Yeah, but most people pick it up on the yeah. next morning. Mm-hmm. Um So that should be a great show. We're going to have a lot of ghost stories. We're going to have a lot of uh ghostly talk. we try to find a couple of sound effects. But, but um yeah um we also got we'll do a couple of other episodes and then on on that weekend halloween weekend so it'll come up probably the first week in november mm-hmm. um i'm going to put out the show that i have with the kids we'll yeah you going about to
1: visit iowa
0: iowa cryptids and stories which include like Wopsy willy and um some bigfoot encounters up there so that'll be fun as well and then you know interspersed Intermixed in there, just you know, some more episodes where we don't really say anything because we don't even don't know yet. Or I do know that the one I was gonna do this week, I'm gonna be doing for next. The one we do, we're gonna do, we're gonna do another show on Wednesday this week, and um, I'll be doing that that one, and then I'll, that'll probably go out at some point.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got to get a backlog again.
0: Yeah, man, we kind of ran out of backlog. But that said, once again. Bigfoot king of the iTunes Podbean, all just google play just go search for it you're going to find us um go ahead and subscribe Give, leave us a review leave us a review good bad indifferent like I said we don't care we would love to hear stories a ghost story that like if you hear this this week Please, please, please send us a ghost story and we may read it on our podcast for the Halloween show. And as always, remember to have your Bigfoot spade neutered.
1: No little squatches.
0: No little squatches. That's all. See you next week. Bye. For listening to the Bigfoot King of the Forest podcast. The underlying track today was Face of Peyote by Purple Six Records on Looperman.com.